If you're a pro, you know that this is not efficient because you know there's a better way. There's also a better way to save. When pro customers buy building supplies in bulk at Lowe's, they save up to 20% every day. Buy in bulk and save up to 20% on concrete, gypsum, and gypsum accessories. At Lowe's, buy more, save more. Visit the Pro Desk or Lowe'sForPros.com for details. Discount applies to contract to pack items. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. Hey folks, this is Greg Allman with the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com coming to you with the Locked on Bucks podcast. Uh, should be a Wednesday morning for you guys listening to this, episode 73, uh, here in our 15th week of the podcast, uh, getting ready for Sunday's home game against the Chicago Bears. Tuesdays, as you guys know by now, are a pretty quiet day in the NFL. Uh, no practice for the Bucks, no interviews, no access, not even really any uh, workouts that I'm aware of. Uh, kind of roster status quo as it is right now. Uh, Bucks, even this morning, could announce another transaction. They've got an opening on their 53-man roster from Howard Jones going on the uh, injured reserve list uh, and could fill that a number of ways. Uh, that could be a defensive end just to replenish the depth directly, uh, or they could try and get by with nine defensive linemen, trusting that uh, they're actually healthy for once. Uh, they usually only dress eight, so you can have nine. It just means you only have one you're making inactive. Uh, if Kevin Pample couldn't go because of that concussion, he's still in. That could be an offensive lineman that gets promoted. If Russell Shepard can't go with the hip, that could be a receiver that gets promoted. There's there's lots of different options there, uh, and hard to say what that'll be. But again, for the most part, uh, a quiet Tuesday uh, beyond the presidential election, I should say. Uh, but for the Bucks, not too much news. I want to talk a little bit about Jameis Winston. Um, I don't know that we've really mentioned this, but Jameis Winston has gone 94 passes without an interception right now. Uh, I'm officially jinxing him to throw one on his first pass attempt on Sunday, kind of Titan style. Uh, but goes into this game with 94 straight passes uh, without an interception. And within that group, this goes back... Uh, Three games. It's uh, the last two games, the losses, and the last 25 passes of the Niners game. Uh, 94 passes. And within those 94 passes, eight touchdowns and no interceptions. So he's in a real good uh, run there passing-wise in terms of limiting his turnovers. Uh, Obviously, he's had a fumble in that span. So it's not like he's uh, perfect in terms of takeaways and turnovers. But 94 passes without an interception. That's the second longest of his young career. Uh, had a stretch where he had 134 last year, 134 straight. That's between, uh, essentially, in this same stretch. But that's week four to week nine of last year. Uh, over the course of six games, pretty strong. Had gone four straight, four full games, and then parts of the game before and the game after. So 134. So he'd have to go another 40 to uh, get to his all-time longest pass. I was impressed. You know, 94 passes without a pick seems like a long stretch. There's actually six current starting quarterbacks with longer runs than 94. Um, You know, for some guys, that's literally like three games. Uh, Cody Kessler with the Browns has gone 101. I don't know that I would have uh, seen that coming. Alex Smith has 109. The Bucs actually uh, could get to see him if he's healthy when they go to Kansas City next week. Uh, Who else? Uh, Got another with 112. Uh, Another Drew Brees. Has 112 as well. Sam Bradford and Drew Brees, both at 112. Uh, Tom Brady has yet to throw one this year. He's at 134. 
And then Derek Carr, who we've talked about in the last couple weeks here, uh, has 155. Uh, Cam Newton is tied with him at 94. So lots of quarterbacks that have gone a fair amount of passes without interceptions. Uh, but thought that was uh, indicative of some of the progress that Jameis has made here in the second quarter of the year. And it's, it's striking how much it parallels his rookie year. Um, if you look at his first four games, obviously had major turnover issues in those early games. Um, had eight touchdowns and eight interceptions in his first four games. And again, the Bucks went one and three in those games. Had the win against Atlanta and then lost at Arizona. Uh, lost to St. Lu- to Los Angeles. I'm still saying St. Louis. Here we are, week ten, and I'm still saying St. Louis. Uh, but I'm sorry. Won against Atlanta and then lost against Arizona, Los Angeles, and Denver. Uh, so he goes from eight and eight, eight touchdowns, eight interceptions, his first four, to nine touchdowns and one interception in the second four of the year. Um, and again, it, unfortunately, it, it models what he did last year. Last year, he opens up uh, six touchdowns, seven interceptions in his first four. And then goes to his second four and has, again, had no interceptions in his second four last year, which four touchdowns, zero interceptions. And the Bucks, by no coincidence, made very much the same move. Bucks this year, one and three in the first quarter, two and two in the second to get to three and five. A year ago, under Lovey Smith and with James Winston as a rookie, one and three in the first four, two and two in the second four to get to three and five. So they're exactly where they were a year ago. Uh, and if you'll remember, last year, did very well in that third quarter. Uh, went three and one in the third quarter to get themselves to six and six. Um, I don't know that the Bucks can do that. Um, obviously, Sunday and a win Sunday against the Bears is an important first step towards doing that. Uh, last year's Bucks, of course, got to six and six and then went zero and four in that last quarter. So the Bucks don't necessarily have to be as good in the third quarter as they they want to be better in the second half. Is what I'm saying. So. If they're sitting here at the end of the year at five and eleven, or even six and ten, there definitely will be a sense of uh, stagnation and not taking a step forward in Winston's second season. And some of that, again, is is mitigated by injuries uh, and the other things that have worked against the Bucks this year. I mean, I think any first year coach is going to have a transition period. Is going to have uh, a time where they're still adjusting to all that's new. And for the Bucks, obviously, most of that is on the defensive side of things. Um, and I think they do have to show some progress on the defensive side. You think about where they are as a defense right now, statistically worse than the defense uh, that was historically bad last year. Uh, they have to take steps forward. Uh, we kind of talked to the players uh, going into the long weekend. And again, whether it was something has to change or something will change, uh, there was kind of different phrasing and different attitudes about whether it's something that had to happen or something they were confident just will happen. This defense has to change, and it probably has to change without any major personnel changes. I mean, these these coaches are very steadfast in believing in the guys that are out there on the field, whether it be Grimes and Hargraves at corner, whether it be Jude at the nickel, uh, certainly whether it would be McDougal and Conte at safety. I don't think they're going to make a change at linebacker. Obviously, Quan Alexander and and Levante David are two players they would think of as central to this team. Um, And on defensive line, all you can do is get healthier. All you can do is add Clinton McDonald back and get Robert Ayers back closer to second half of last year, Robert Ayers. I mean, Ayers, if you think about it, was injured much of the first half last year and then came on like gangbusters in the second half of the season. I think had like eight of his... 
uh, sacks in the second half of last season. So just as the Bucks are mirroring last year, the Bucks would very much like to see Robert Ayers uh, parallel what he did last year in having just a really strong finish to the season. Uh, I don't know if they'll do that or not. I don't know if the schedule will set things up. Again, if they lose on Sunday to the Bears, their remaining three home games, okay, are Seattle, okay, New Orleans, okay, and Carolina. None of none of the three seem like easy wins right now. Um, so especially if you want to take away that whole narrative of, boy, they haven't won a game at home all season, they did that just two years ago. If they want to get that off the table, just, just getting out one win, and then you're like, well, they're 1-4 at home, but it's still not as bad as 0-5. Will they be 0-6? 0-6, will they be 0-7? That, that's kind of the thing that you're talking about when you advance a home game as opposed to they might do this or they might do that. Um, a couple other things we want to get to. Today's paper uh, we kind of used as a mid-season report card, if you will, kind of halfway through the uh, the week leading up to the second half of the season. Uh, Tom Jones, our columnist, had a couple things on the biggest surprises in the NFL, biggest disappointments, biggest success stories. Uh, and all of us, we were asked to grade Dirk Cutter as a head coach on his first eight games. And it's hard to um, assess a grade halfway through a season like this when so much is still developing and coming together. Uh, and the grades ranged from like a high C to a D. Uh, I gave Dirk uh, a C plus, just basically saying that I had thought this would kind of be a four and four team right now in the first half of the season. Felt like this was the tougher half of their schedule. Uh, four and four would have marked marked an improvement from where they were last year, but not a huge improvement, which is kind of where I thought they were. So the fact that they're three and five. Um, I do think there have been two games they could have easily won in the Rams and the Raiders, um, both games that were there for the taking, and then they just couldn't close things out, couldn't do the things they needed to do to win a close game. Uh, so as easily as they could be 5-3 and three right now versus 3-5, and five, I don't know that they played that well in either game. So 3-5 and five is probably closer to who they are, I think, than a opportunistic 5-3 and three would be. Um, it'd certainly be nice for fans if they were 5-3, and three, if they were right there in the thick of the wild card, had everything in play, a division title still in the works. Uh, and instead, it's not. Instead, they're, they're well out of the division right now, and they don't get to play Atlanta again. So they're going to have to make up ground by beating the Saints twice or beating the Panthers. Uh, there's not a lot of gimme games in the second half of the schedule. Obviously, the Bears are 2-6 and six at home. You have to think of that as probably the easiest game left on their schedule, a game they should win. Um, but you look at the rest of their schedule, and they're going to a lot of teams that would be in the playoffs. They've got to go to Dallas. Um, they've got to go to Kansas City. They've got to play these teams that are shifting positive, teams that are trending upright, the Saints and the Panthers, who look like bad teams three weeks ago. Uh, Saints have won three in a row. Panthers have won two in a row. Those aren't easy games now, especially for – for the Bucks defense, which is kind of what, what is a, a concern right now. Um, so anyway, today's paper had some grades in it. Like I said, I, I'd be curious to see what you guys would give Dirk Cutter. Um, I do think he's had clock management issues. Um, I do think he's let some things get away. But for the body of work that he has, if you think about uh, all that they've lost on offense, all the running backs that have been hurt, uh, Vincent Jackson being out, Austin Sverrig Jenkins getting cut, Sweezy never playing, all those mitigating factors on offense for them to be at three and five 
is only slightly less than I had thought it would be if they had everything going right. So it's hard for me to hit him with anything more damning than a C-plus right now. Uh, a couple other things we'll get to. Uh, again, on the injury front, we'll know a lot more today, uh, perhaps even by the time you listen to this podcast, in terms of making sure that Doug Martin and Jacquez Rogers aren't going to be back. Uh, a lot of people asking who, who's most likely to come back first out of Martin and Rogers and Charles Sims. And it's a fair question that I don't have an answer for right now. I mean, Charles Sims is still on IR. He can't come back for three more weeks. So he can come back in week 13. He can play the last five games. To see Charles Sims moving around the locker room looks fine. Like, whatever was wrong with that knee, it's not braced. It's not a limp. It's not anything. We're not seeing him cutting. We're not seeing him running. But when we see him around the locker room, uh, he looks fine. So Jacquez Rogers is still in the boot, which makes me think that not only is this week not in play, but I don't know if next week's in play for him. So he could end up getting back uh, about the same time that Charles Sims does. Doug Martin, we have no idea about Doug Martin. I mean, we see Doug Martin uh, Monday's practice. We saw the players coming off the field at the end of practice, and Doug Martin was out there. Uh, Jacquez Rogers wasn't, for instance. So that's, that's telling to that extent. But we don't know. It could be next week. It could be week 13. We don't know when Doug Martin's coming back. Uh, I had a chance yesterday to talk to Mark Helfrich, the Oregon head coach. I uh, wanted to talk to him about Josh Huff. As we mentioned on yesterday's podcast, uh, the Bucks have brought Josh Huff on uh, right now just as their practice squad. Uh, but again, it's a guy that could eventually here be their return man, be one of their, their speed receivers. Uh, and Josh Huff, again, is only a week removed from uh, a bad arrest uh, in the Philadelphia area across the bridge there in New Jersey. Uh, gun charges... Uh, marijuana charges, all kinds of uh, criminal things against him right now. And again, I don't know that any of those, even collectively, is so damning as to be more than uh, a probation and community service type thing. Could very well wind up with a small suspension from the NFL uh, on the marijuana count, obviously. But nothing that would really affect him this season. If the Bucks are are happy with who he is and what he's showing them, he could be active on Sunday. He could play the last eight games of the season. Uh, so we'll see, and we'll get a sense uh, later this week with how he's been received, how well he's taking the things. Um, I, I don't know how you show that to coaches beyond like, hey, good job not getting arrested today. Uh, but again, if they if they had enough to want to bring him on, to me, whether he's practice squad or active roster, it's kind of one of those in for a penny, in for a pound type things. I, I think they have to be comfortable with him to bring him into their building. And then it's just a matter now of how he handles himself. Is he doing all the right things so that what the players see of him is what they want and not someone who's continuing to do things that break rules or take him out of the coach's favor here? He comes in, I don't want to say with a clean slate, but he comes in, they they knew what he did a week ago. They knew what he was arrested for and still brought him in based on the talent he has. So he had enough built-up currency in what he's done on the field to offset what he did off the field. And now it's just a matter of how quickly uh, the Bucks are willing to act on that and bring him out on the field. I'll be curious to see what they do there. Uh, otherwise, again, we should see Clinton McDonald today. We've seen him in practice for three weeks now. So what's more significant is, is whether he's shown the, uh, just through rest and time off, shown the recovery he needs to have them feel like that hamstring isn't a concern for aggravation by playing him on Sunday. That would be a big help for the Bucks to me. 
Uh, I, I look at the, the Bears, and I see Jordan Howard as the, as the first thing they really has to st- have to stop, uh, a guy that's just run the ball really well since he's become their guy. Uh, and until they stop him, it's, it's immaterial. If they're giving up runs, it's going to be a long day for them, uh, as they've found so far this season. Uh, you don't want to be in a position where you're asking Jay Cutler to beat you, but that's, that's definitely a better situation than asking Matt Ryan to beat you or asking Derek Carr to beat you and those kind of things. Uh, guys, this will wrap things up for now. Again, I'm sorry it's not a newsier day. These Tuesday for Wednesday podcasts are usually a, a catching up and big picture type podcast. So we'll have more Wednesday for Thursday. Lots of access today. Uh, lots of interviews and, and being able to set things up, talking to Mike James some more. There's lots of storylines we can share. Three more, uh, two more podcasts, I should say, previewing Bears and Bucks on Sunday. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, appreciate it. This will do it for episode 73. Thank you guys for listening for the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. This is Greg Allman. Thanks again. We'll be back tomorrow. What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.